The scripture reading is from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Good morning. Let's pause and pray again. Lord, your word is living and active, and we ask that we would experience it that way this morning. Living and active. Amen. Um, during this Easter season, the, the weeks between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday, what we're going to be doing as a church is studying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Sometimes we'll call this the Lord's Prayer. Some traditions call it the Our Father. Um, but it's a prayer that Jesus gave to us to serve as a model for the prayers that we lift up to God. Um, now, often people will memorize this prayer. I can't even remember when I learned the Lord's Prayer ever since, I mean, as long as I know, I've always known this. It just was taught to me as a little child. Maybe you're the same, the same way. Often we will recite the prayer together um, as a congregation. But the, Lord's, the Lord gave us this prayer not merely so that we could memorize it and recite it. He, he, really, he gave us this prayer you would say to serve as a template for our prayers, a model for us to follow so that our prayers are well-rounded and so that they're not shallow, so that there's a depth to them, a power, a vibrancy. He really, he really wants us to be able to pray that way. So it's not just something you memorize and recite. It, it teaches us. And here's why I say that. Um, if you've read the New Testament, you know that in the New Testament, there are many prayers recorded from the apostolic church. In the book of Acts, in the epistles, you read of the prayers that the apostles prayed, the prayers of the early Christians. You never once read of them reciting the Lord's Prayer, ever. And they knew it. It was in the Gospels, right? So in other words, they, they loved the Lord's Prayer. This was part of their, their teaching. But they didn't view it merely as something to memorize and repeat they, they, apparently they viewed it as something that would shape their prayers, a template to follow so that they would really know how to talk to God. So we're going to be looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer together for a few weeks. Here's what I'm hoping, um, that God will just use this to revive us spiritually. I don't know if any of you are like me today that would just feel like, Lord, I need you to breathe fresh life into my prayers. I need you to breathe power of your Holy Spirit. If you're like that, this way I am today, I, I'm trusting that this will be very beneficial for us. Okay, so we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, and today we're just going to look at the very first few words of the prayer, and I want to ask this, Christ, this question. As Christians, 
how should we be approaching God? Now, I say as Christians because the Lord's Prayer was taught to his disciples. This wasn't just for the whole world. This is for if, if you've trusted in Christ, you've been redeemed by his blood, you belong to Jesus now. If you're a Christian, how, what should our approach be to God? What should be our tone, our attitude, just kind of our general posture when we come to God? And here's why I ask that. Um, you know that we don't approach all people in the same way. I mean, we meet people, you meet scores of people in the course of a week, you don't approach everyone the same way. You, I would bet that you don't talk to your best friend the same way you talk to your employer. You adjust your approach, right? You probably, you get pulled over by a traffic cop, you don't use the same tone with him or her that you use with a three-year-old child. I hope not. It's not advisable. So um, we, we, we approach different people in different ways. So, Christian... How should we approach God? What should be the attitude of our heart? And I'm going to suggest from the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, our approach to God should be characterized by two fundamental attitudes, confidence and reverence. Confidence and reverence. So confidence. Um, Jesus says, verse 9, this then is how you should pray our... Notice, he doesn't say, you should say, our king our master, our ruler, our Lord. Now, you can call God all those things, but Jesus said, Christian, when you pray, you say, our, what? Father, our Father. Uh, now, um, in Mark chapter 14, we find recorded the actual Aramaic word that Jesus used when he called God Father, and you know what the word was? Abba, all right, which was not the Swedish pop band, all right, Abba. Abba is an ancient, he, listen, Hebrew Jewish families still use this word. It's a kitchen table word for God. It's not some formal, um, stuffy father. This is the word that a five-year-old boy would use when his dad walks in the door from work. Or, or, or a six-year-old girl when she's sitting down to lunch with her, with her father. It's a very close familiar term, all right? And he says, Christian, when you talk to God, you call him our father. Now, you and I have heard people use the word father in prayer so many times that it doesn't shock us. But did you know that when Jesus taught this, this was actually very, very radical. This was controversial. The, um, in fact, I'll tell you later, this almost got him killed. So here, here's why. If you if you've read the Old Testament, um, God is described as Father only about 15 times in the whole Old Testament. And the Old Testament is about three times, what, at three times maybe, as long as the New Testament? Only 15 times God is called Father. And he's only called Father in, in a kind of a general sense. He's Father of the nation of Israel. Or he promises that he will be the Father to the Messiah. But in the, in the whole Old Testament, never once do you read of any individual going before God in prayer and calling God their father. No one does that. Um, David, King David, was called a man after God's own heart, right? He never, he never called God father. Um, Abraham is described as the friend of God. Abraham never called God father. Moses, we read Moses spoke with God face to face. Moses never called God father. And then in the first century A.D., there arose in the hills of Galilee a carpenter from Nazareth. 
named Jesus, who walked around everywhere, and his favorite term for God was Abba, Abba, Father, Father. In fact, in the four Gospels, over 160 times, Jesus refers to God as my Father, my Abba. So this was radical, radical. Um, In fact, in John chapter 5, it says that his enemies wanted to kill him specifically because he addressed God that way. So it was radical stuff. Here's what's even more radical. Believer, Jesus wants you to talk to God that way. He wants you to, to approach God with that kind of, that, that kind of confidence, right? Um, Abba, Father, you know, like a... Like a four-year-old asking her dad for breakfast, he wants with that kind of confidence that you would be able to now. If you've studied theology at all, you realize that that is a crazy, crazy idea because as Pastor Jeffrey was explaining before, we are all what? We are all sinners. We're all, we're all people who have defied the glory and the majesty of the king. We're all people who, from our very birth, are stained with the guilt of, of Adam's rebellion. And, and so how in the world is it that sinful people like us can just walk before the creator of the universe and call him our father? Listen, Romans 5 verse 10 says that before we come to Christ, we are not God's children. It says we are God's enemies, Jesus, in John chapter 8, told us that we are not naturally born God's children. Like you say, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Jesus said we are born children of the devil. So then how is it that we're allowed now just to go to God and call him Father? Well, here's the gospel answers that question, doesn't it? it? Here's what the gospel says. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've failed, You come to Jesus and you trust him to be your savior. And the Holy Spirit unites you with the Son, meaning you are given, here's here's the phrase in the the New Testament, you are given union with Christ. You are united with him. And so here's what that means. Everything that belongs to Jesus, he now freely shares with you. It's yours, just as much as it's his. He shares his kingdom with you. He shares his glory with you. He shares his hope with you. He shares his resurrection with you. And and here's, he shares with you. Born a son or daughter of the devil, an enemy of the Almighty, he says, I'm gonna share with you. He shares with you his status as son of the living God. And so the, the, um, the apostles, they didn't even blush to just write to people as sinful as us and say, you've come to Jesus. They would say, God has adopted you into his family. So believer, you are God's daughter. You are God's son. There's not a, you've never met a dad who loves his little girl or his little boy more than God loves you. He's adopted you now. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, To all, all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 3 verse 26 says, In Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, are you in Christ Jesus? If you have trusted him as your Savior, you are in Christ Jesus. It says this, In Christ Jesus, you are all 
children of God through faith. So, believer, you are God's beloved child, and Jesus would say, pray like it. Pray that way. Pray with confidence. You're talking to someone who has accepted you. You're talking to someone who loves you, who will never stop loving you. Pray that way. Now, in verse 7 and 8, Jesus describes some people who didn't understand this. They didn't relate to God that way. He calls them pagans, and he's talking about the the practitioners of other religions and the nations that surrounded Israel. And here's the problem that the pagans had. They they didn't have a, you would say, they did not have a grace-based relationship with their God. They had a works-based relationship with God. In other words, they thought that the way... The way to get their God to listen to him, to them was that they somehow had to prove their sincerity by logging in hours and hours and hours in prayer on their knees, repeating the same phrases over and getting the exact right words. If they would just somehow pray long enough and fast long enough and pray in the right way, finally God would answer them. I've known Christians who pray that way. If I just fast for a week, if I just, you know, punish myself by making myself pray, Jesus said, listen, are you forgetting something? You're talking to your father. It's your father. Can you imagine a man whose four-year-old girl asks him for lunch and he says, okay, I'll give you lunch, but only if you ask me for it 500 times. No, can you imagine what kind of father would do that? Jesus said, not your father in heaven. You come to him with this confidence. He says, in fact, in verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Some of you dads here, I know that. You can tell that your seven-year-old boy needs help with his homework before he even asks by the look on his face. You can tell that your, your 11-year-old daughter is about to burst into tears. Something's wrong. You know it. She doesn't even have to tell you. You know, right? Your father in heaven, he's, even, he's better than any father you've ever met. He knows what you need. And so you come with this boldness and you, with this confidence and you say, Father, here I am. So the pagans didn't understand that. They didn't have that kind of confidence. And and you would also say that the hypocrites, Jesus describes in verse 5 and 6, they also didn't understand this. He, He talks about the hypocrites. These are people, he says, who pray in public, but they don't really have much of a private prayer life. He talks about praying on the street corners, in synagogues. If he were here today, he might talk about praying in church or praying in, in community groups. You know, they pray when they're around others, but they really don't have a, 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 a personal relationship with God in prayer. Believer, did you know that your father longs for you to have a very personal, very intimate relationship with him in prayer? A secret prayer life. It's just you. It's just yours. It's very personal. You and God, no one else. Jesus says that. He says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. No one has to know about this, but your Father will. He says, your Father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. Did you know, did you, do you know that God wants to have that with you, believer? That kind of relationship, just you and him. Very intimate, very personal. No one else can understand. It's just you. Do you have that? Let me ask you. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? If you don't, it's kind of like 
you're walking away from a portion of your inheritance. This is your birthright as a child of God. Why would you leave all that wealth on the table? It's yours, right? So, um, so Jesus says, Here's, this attitude has to be in your mind when you approach God. I'm talking to my father now. So he says, pray with confidence. Now he also says we're to pray with reverence. You want to hold firmly to both of these. You pray with confidence, you pray with reverence. So the fact, the fact that we are confident before God does not mean we are chummy with God. Hey, big fella, how's it going up there? Daddy-o, you know, it's not, listen, that's not what he's describing. You know this instinctively, don't you? Just as a believer, you know there, there is a difference between intimacy and insolence. They're not the same thing. And, and so Jesus said we're to pray with reverence, with deep humility, with respect toward the one whom we are addressing. Here's why I say that. Verse 9, he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father, what are the next two words? Our Father in heaven. He's not our father on earth. He's our father in heaven. And that little phrase in heaven just reminds us that, believer, listen, when you pray, you are speaking to the sovereign ruler of the whole universe. You're speaking to the one who created everything, the one, the one at whose will everything has its existence. You're speaking to the ancient of days before the mountains were formed. He was here. You're speaking to him. You're speaking to the first, the last, the, the infinite, eternal, almighty God. And so we approach him with reverence, not with flippancy, right? With, with deep reverence. Now, what does it mean to pray with reverence? Praying with reverence does not mean um, using formal theologically correct these and thous. I mean, you can, if you pray that way, that's fine. Maybe you grew up. You have, it's the way you were taught to pray. It's okay. But that's not what it means. Here's why I say that. Jesus talks about the hypocrites in verse 5 and 6 who love to stand in public and lift their prayers to impress people. They used that kind of language. It was very formal, very theologically rich. All, you know, in their language, it would have been the equivalent of these and thous. And they were not being reverent toward God. Why? Because rather than, um, well, I would say this. They were just using God as a prop to show off to others. You, you know, you would say that was a violation of the third commandment. They were taking God's name in vain. They were invoking the name of the Almighty, but not meaning it, just using it to put on a show. And so rever reverence doesn't mean using flowery language. So what does reverence mean? Let me ask you this. When you pray, do you take God seriously? That's what it means, just to take God seriously. Um, I have to admit, I struggle with, when I pray in front of others, I always fight this struggle. Does anybody relate to that, of worrying about what they're thinking about me? Anybody else like that? You know, I hope I don't sound stupid. I hope I sound, I hope they're impressive. It's, it's really hard, right? And, and Jesus, I, I, Jesus said, listen, um, fight, fight against that. You're not, you're not using God to impress others. You're really talking to him. So here's, here is a little phrase that I think that you might find helpful that you can say to yourself before you pray to help you to be reverent and just take God seriously. And, and the phrase is this, God is 
real. Guys, God is real. He's re- when, I talk, when, I, when we talk to you about God up here, we're not just discussing an idea. I'm not just talking about some philosophy. We're not talking about discussing some tradition. You know, that, no, listen, guys, he's real. When you pray, you're talking to someone who's real. Have you, ever, have you ever known somebody and when you hear them pray, you just have that impression, wow, he's really talking to God. She is, she's really talking to God right now. That's what it means to be reverent, to say God is real. I'm really speaking to him. In fact, there's a phrase, you've read this um, probably in the Bible many times. God is referred to as the living God. You ever hear that? The living God. The living God. The, it's very common in the Old Testament. The living. What do they mean, the living God? He, he's, he's alive? He exists? No. In Hebrew thought patterns, to call him the living God means this. It means he is present and he is active. Right now he's here. And so they called Yahweh the living God in contrast to the idols of the nations around them that were not living. They they were not real. They they were just ideas. They were concepts. They were statues. They were saying, no, we're not just talking to an idea right now. We're talking to a real God who really hears us and really responds and is really active and is really present. And so uh, that's what it means to pray with reverence. You just say, I am right now I am right now talking to God, a personal God who hears me. So, how do we approach God? This is what Christ is inviting us to. This, it's, it's kind of a complex attitude, isn't it? It's not one extreme or the other. Confidence and yet reverence. We, we, uh, we pray with reverence because we're talking to the king of the whole universe right now, the holy God but we talk to him with confidence because he's our father. Now, um, to close, I'll I'll just share this. I know from my own experience, it's not easy to be a good father. Anyone here who's a dad will, will tell you that. We try hard, we do our best, and we are very aware of our shortcomings, right? It's not easy to be a good father. Sadly, there are some men in this world who are actually Bad fathers. Maybe you've known some. Really, really bad fathers. And I've heard it suggested that you can divide bad fathers into two, two basic groups. There are, some, there are some fathers who are feared by their children, but they're not loved by their children. Right? They're, they're, they're meaning because they are harsh and they are demanding and they are strict and, or they are aloof and distant. So their children fear them, but they don't love them. On the other hand, you have some bad fathers um, who are loved by their children. I mean, children are always glad to have dad around. He's always good for a few laughs. You know, oh, come on, dad, let's have some fun. They are loved by their children, but they're not feared by them. Their children don't take them seriously. They don't listen to what they say. They don't respect them. They never ask them for counsel. So, so this, these are the two ways that you can really mess up as a father. There are some who are feared by their children, but not loved. Others who are loved by their children, but not feared. And Would you agree with me, Christian? Our Father doesn't fit into either of those groups. We we fear Him, right? We take Him seriously. And yet we love Him. We feel so confident around Him. And wouldn't that be hard to explain? Um, 
to a, a non-Christian friend who's never known him. How would you explain that? I, f- I fear God and I love him. They'd say, what are you talking about? You fear your God? What are you, afraid of God? That doesn't sound very attractive. And he, what would you say? I, I'd say maybe, listen, here's what I mean when I say I fear God. I respect his power and authority. I revere his holiness and glory. I take my God seriously. But I'm not afraid of him. I don't fear his rejection. He'll never reject me. I don't fear his wrath. All his wrath has been placed on Christ. I don't, I'm not afraid of him that way. I'm, he's my father. He, he gave his priceless son to make me his child. That's the one to whom we pray. Now, um, Christian, I just want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to form that attitude in you when you pray. Maybe some of you, what you lack is confidence. You still think God is mad at you. He's not. Jesus died in your place. Some of you, you may need to ask God, would you, would you give me a deeper reverence for you? Because I, I need to take you seriously. You're the living God. Either way, ask him to help you pray this way with the expectation that he really loves you and longs to revive you. I think he does. Now, if you're not a Christian and you don't know this God as your father, just come to Jesus and you will. Amen? Here's what I'd like us to do. Um, We're going to have the Lord's Prayer on the screen, and I'm going to ask you guys to pray this with me. If you have it memorized, you don't have to look at the screen. You can close your eyes and pray it. If you learned this prayer in another language, maybe English is not your first language, you pray it in the language you know it best. That's fine. But let's, let's, uh, let's pray this together, and then I will lead us in prayer. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we love you, we trust you, we adore you and revere you. I pray that um, you will revive and renew us and teach us to pray. Amen.